listening to 247 Real Talk. This is your host, Julian Perry. And for this episode, I'll be sharing my perspective on vaccination and vaccination mandates and what I think we know and don't know. I'll be right back. So good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of 247 Real Talk. It is Wednesday, October 20th. It's uh, just about 11.14 p.m. uh, Eastern Standard Time. And I started this episode a little later. I usually start at 11 p.m. Actually, recently I've been starting at 10 p.m. with my guests. And I changed around the schedule this week um, and sort of voluntarily rescheduled guests because... From the last week and over the last week and the conversations I've had with some of my listeners, um, I can think of one listener uh, specifically, I won't call his name, but they, they seem to be urging me, or they, they urged me to share my perspectives on what's going on in this whole vaccination time that we're in right now. <clears throat> if you hear, hear me clear in my throat, I have a bit of a cold tonight, but... Uh, and yes, I tested, you know, I made sure I was tested and I'm negative and I'm fully vaccinated, but in a minute we'll discuss that as well. I want to open up the episode, first of all, by um, paying respects to the late Colin Powell, Colin Powell, uh, former Secretary of State. Um, by all, you know, I didn't know the man personally, but by all the reports and stories I've heard, irrespective of what side of the aisle you're on, this horrible Democratic and Republican aisle, he was a respected man. And he was a man that gave his life to this country in politics, in the military, in, in achievements. Um, and his family should be very proud of the, of the life he lived. For those who want to harp a little bit on, or harp at any amount on the mistakes he made and you know, the big elephant in the room was the weapons of mass dis- uh, destruction in Iraq. Um, I would say that we all make mistakes. And when we look back at our lives and when people reflect on our lives, when we are no longer here, I'm sure they'll find many reasons to, to, to call out some negative things. So all in all, he was a decent, uh, well-educated, intelligent kind, um, I've heard him described as a problem solver, and in paying respects to him, you know, we thank him for his service, for who he was as a human being on this earth, and pray that he sleep in peace. Now, moving on from that, he died from complications of COVID. This is what we're told. We're going by the news. Even though he was fully vaccinated. This past week or the past five or seven days, there have been um, several executives in New York, around the state of New York, who have tested positive for COVID, who were fully vaccinated. I think the Homeland Security Secretary, a couple of days ago, I heard in the news, tested positive for COVID, even though he was fully vaccinated. And that by itself is not such a big deal, I guess, because there are people who get vaccinated for the flu and still get the flu, but they don't get it severely. And that, you know, and that is where the conversation starts. I remember listening to and I'm not going to call names. I mean, some of the names I remember, some of the names I don't. You know, we get a lot of, we get bombarded by a lot of news, a lot of people from the CDC and, and all these different uh, federal agencies that, like, that tell us things. And I, I can clearly remember um, listening to a couple of people. And at one point I heard, you know, well, it's really important to get vaccinated because if you get vaccinated and you do get COVID, it's going to be mild and COVID prevents you from dying from it. Now, I, I want to make that distinction for a reason. 
I know we were here that Colin Powell had um, some sort of um, cancer, some sort of blood cancer. Um, but we also know that these officials, government officials, ex-government officials, they get, I think, I think he was at Walter Reed too, so they get a level of medical care that most of us don't. And so, you know, he's, he's not the first I've heard who's been fully vaccinated who's died. He's not the first I've heard who's been fully vaccinated to get COVID. Matter of fact, I've heard a lot of those. Um, and so we, we, we get in this gray area now. This, I remember, this is my perspective. Don't jump at me because you don't agree with me. It's okay to disagree with me. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll remind all my listeners, you know, before I go any further, that I had COVID right at the beginning. So I had COVID late March, early April 2020. And horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, and so when, when I had the opportunity to be vaccinated in February of January, I think I got vaccinated January and January 19th and February 9th of 2021. Those are the Pfizer I had. I jumped at the opportunity. My wife jumped at the opportunity. She's in healthcare field. So part of her, she jumped at it, but part of her was almost, I don't think it was mandated then, but it was kind of in the pipeline, like it's going to be coming. Um, and I've spoken to many people who tell me point blank, they're not taking the vaccine. So I say to them, you know, I had COVID. It was horrible. I'll never want to go through that again. Anything I can do to help prevent it, I will do. And, or, or, or if, and if I do get it again, you know, to make the symptoms nothing like I experienced the first time. And I, you know, I kind of lived on that. I kind of lived on the fact that, you know, the, 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 the pros outweigh the cons and, 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 you know, if, if, if I'm ever exposed and, I, and it's real bad like that, you know, I might get a congestion and a cough, a cold, but nothing like the horror I experienced. And let me tell you, the only thing I did not get was to the point where I had to go in the, the hospital for oxygen and then, you know, eventually, I mean, but I had like, I don't know, I think we measured fevers of 5105, 106. I was taking Tylenol and Motrin, you know, switching them back and forth, or, you know, like clockwork and, and, and the fever, you know, you can only take it, I think, every four hours or something like that, but the fever would, 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 would go down for maybe an hour. And then for the next three hours, you know, we end up going into cold showers and, 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 you know, and all sorts of things to break the fever because it was that bad. And it was, you know, that kind of fever, that level was dangerous. <clears throat> so, I held on to this whole, you know, that's what drove me, the first opportunity I got to get the COVID vaccine. And I have to say this to all my listeners out there, and I don't want to discourage you from getting the vaccine. I don't, I don't even know if I want to encourage you or discourage you. I just want to share my perspective because as someone who experienced COVID, I'm, you know, I shouldn't have any gray area. And recently, I've been getting more and more of a gray area. As, you know, as I understand, at least, I have room for understanding for those who don't want to get the vaccine. And I'm not talking about religious purposes, because, you know, that's, that's sort of in a category by itself. And I respect that. Um, my religion, there's nothing against getting the vaccine. Matter of fact, you know, our church encourages people to get the vaccine. But for the people who tell me their stories, and, and, and here's what they say. First off, because of the history of government, they don't trust anything the government says. Secondly, historically, the vaccines that we have, other than COVID, have taken years to be developed and safely tested. And still we find out new symptoms of, of those vaccines years later. And so the the... the, the Dominant response that I get or, or, or perspective that I get from people who are saying, I'm not going to take the vaccine is I want to know a year, two years, three years, four years, five years from now, what effect will this vaccine have on me? No one could tell me because they haven't studied it for that period of time. They haven't been able to, you know, first of all, they don't believe that it, it was, you know, because of the short testing time, 
they don't believe that the sample of 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 uh, people, the population sample used to test, can adequately represent our world and the people in our world. And they don't believe that you know because you have all these medications. And, and think about it for a second. I'm I'm being again. I'm trying to be totally impartial here because, like I said, you know, having COVID, I still may lean a little bit to one side, but I get it. I sit sometimes and watch TV and I, I see an advertisement come on TV for a medication. And the medication has one good thing, like let's say it prevents stroke or heart disease or whatever. And they, you know, if you ever look at the advertisement, they speak clearly and, and describe what it does. And then this speech gets really rapid as they list the side effects and the symptoms. And the funny one, when I say funny, not funny that you should laugh, but the funny in this context is that many of them will say something like, you know, um, this could cause death, that could cause death, this could cause death, that, and we know that this is from a large population sample, and so there are always going to be someone who will have a detrimental response, a negative you know, or bad response to something. But again, the people who are adamant about not getting vaccinated are saying this is after five, six, seven years of not only research of the first instance of this medic these medications, but continuous research you know, for, the, for something better. And still these medications have this vast, this long list of side effects. And when, they, when you put it like that, you have to think about it. You have to say, there are people from different religions who, for instance, can go into a hospital who, can have, who, who, who maybe had an accident or gunshot wound or whatever, and, and the doctors are trying to save them, and thereby religion will say, I will not take blood. I will not allow you to give me anyone else's blood. It's against my religion. And some die, some survive. But the point is, they're allowed to do that. And you know, here they're saying, you're forcing me to take a vaccination. Now, it, it is a lot bigger than that. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to not make this episode long, but I just want to get into a few things. The factors are so difficult to weigh on this. And this is why I think a lot of wrong choices or a lot of choices that have been made could possibly be just, just the wrong choices. So the issue with this is not like the case I said where the person gets sick and goes to the hospital and decides not to take blood. This is a case where if you have the virus, you can spread the virus. So unless you want to remain isolated, if you want to be around people and you have COVID or you get COVID, you have the ability to, to spread it. Governments and you know medical the health the health um, healthcare industry and all that have been charged with the responsibility of figuring out how to how to sort of give us some semblance of normalcy again and and and, and the ability to be social and to communicate and to and to gather and not kill each other by spreading this disease. But, you know, and, and, and in, the, in the beginning, when you really think about it, it was pretty hard. I mean, I remember looking out the window and it was like, you know, in, in March, April, May, June of 2020. And, you know, there were times in the middle of the day when there wasn't a car moving on the street. It was that dead. But I think that we, we started to lose our way here. And to be honest with you, I think a lot, to a lot, to a large extent, we've lost our way in many areas. So what was the response to this, this wild spreading virus where we were having 900 and something deaths a day in New York, you know, daily? I mean, it was just, it was just, it was crazy. The, the, the 18 wheeler refrigerated trucks outside the hospitals filled with bodies. It was, it was insane. So what did we do? We isolated and we waited for a vaccine and you know, uh, at least well, close to a thousand people were dying daily at the peak in New York. And I, I don't know what the statistics are, the people who are recovering. But I feel like this whole process that we went through should have been more than 
figuring out this virus, it should have been learning lessons. We should have been evolving. And I feel to a certain extent that while we evolved as human beings politically, we remained the same. Maybe we got even worse. Because, you know, as we emerge from this, and as we try to, to socialize again, and, and, to, and again, you know, chase some, some semblance of normalcy, we came up with some innovative things, like working from home, remote, remote work. Um, we came up with, like, uh, hybrid working. Um, staggered, where, you know, half the staff would go in this week and another half or, or however you wanted to divide the staff would go in the next week. So you were able to maintain social distancing and still allow people to go in and, you know, they see each other from a distance. They pass each other with masks on. The work environment was supposed to be properly cleaned. And, you know, and this was supposed to be a new norm for a while. Now, Governments around the, the, the uh, around, I say governments because I'm speaking about local governments and state governments around the country have been all forcing, uh, most of them pushing this, 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 uh, ideology that we all have to get back to the way we were. And, and I think this is not only a disservice to us, I think this is playing Russian roulette with our lives. I think that number one, that the world has changed. And, and, I'm, and I, I may read it to you tonight if I can find the article, but someone sent me an article. And in that article, there was a, uh, some, a Nobel Peace Prize winner who talked about, um, I think it was the, the pandemic and the fact that he was very sure that it was man-made. And... Yeah, you know, that is that is. I don't know how you know people are saying that it's a false claim or whatever. I don't know how that how that went, but the fact is, he basically said his name. I can't pronounce his name. Um, and if you'll, I wonder if I can read this to you. Yeah, I'll read this to you because <clears throat> it says Nobel Peace uh, Prize winner of 2018, Japanese physician, scientist, and immunologist, Dr. Tasuku Honjo and I may, may, may be pronouncing that incorrectly, caused a sensation today in the media by saying that the coronavirus is not natural. If it is natural, it will not have affected the whole world like that. Because depending on the nature, the temperature is different in different countries. If it were natural, it would have only have affected countries with the same temperature as China. Instead, it spreads to a country like Switzerland the same way it spreads to desert areas. Whereas, if it were natural, it would have spread in cold places, would have died in hot places. I have done 40 years of research on animals and viruses. It is not natural. It is manufactured and the virus is completely artificial. I've been working for four years in the Wuhan laboratory in China. I know all the staff of this laboratory well. I called them all after the corona accident, but all of their phones have been dead for three months. It is now understood that all these laboratory technicians are dead. Based on all of my knowledge and research to date, I can say this with 100% confidence that the corona is not natural. It did not come from bats. China made it. If what I say today turns out to be false now or even after I die, the government can withdraw my Nobel Prize. So, now, I don't want to get into the whole China thing because I don't know enough about it. And I don't need, the article I just read to you, I make a disclaimer. I don't know how true it is. It's something someone sent to me. But it's not far from what many people believe, that this was a manufactured virus, that this was part of government playing, you know, or, or, or what do you call it, um, germ warfare, in other words, developing something that if they had to use it, it's, so it's beyond the military, it's beyond the, you know, the, the usual boots on the ground with, with rifles and tanks. It's a new day. But what does that really say? I mean, it's not important to dwell on that. What's, what, what is really important to dwell on is 
the, and I said this before in a previous podcast, and I'll say it again. I think the last pandemic was 1918. And even though this one is 100 years later, we would be foolish to believe that it's going to take another 100 years for us to experience this again. So the question is, when we vaccinate, let's suppose we get the ideal situation that some people want and we vaccinate everyone and we all go back to the way it was. And then one day, something deadlier than COVID comes out of the first cough or sneeze or whatever from the first infected person who came from wherever it is. We have gone back to the exact state of vulnerability for monetary and political reasons. It makes absolutely no sense. I mean, I've spoken to so many people who are, who are, who are saying, yeah, you know, I don't see anybody cleaning the way they used to. There was never anything done in the ventilation system that I believe that, 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 you know, can stop the spread of anything or even, you know, has some sort of better sanitary uh, condition. They're right back next to the people that they left 18 months ago or whatever. Unless, of course, you sit next to someone who died from the virus, so they're no longer there, or someone who retired. Point being, as as the most intelligent creatures supposedly on this earth, How many of us find this to be the dumbest solution there is? We know for a fact that no matter what you do, even if you are the super conscious person who makes sure you sneeze in a handkerchief and you wash your hands every time and all that, all of us, I think, have had that that sneeze or cough that we didn't see coming. And before we could, you know, cover a mouse or whatever, it came out. Multiply that by millions of people. Multiply that by thousands of people in tight spaces again. Let us be arrogant enough to assume that the COVID virus, which was devastating, which in the United States alone, we've, we've have over 700,000 people that have died. And I'm going to touch that number in, in a moment too. Um, but we can assume that now, you know, once we get vaccinated, you know, we, we, we've solved this problem. And so, you know, we're just going to go ahead and make sure that people's lives are miserable again. We're going to take away the, the quality that they enjoyed working remotely or at least in a hybrid situation. We're going to burden them again with transportation costs of going into work and, 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 you know, waking up extra early to travel hours into work and hours into come home. We're going to burden them again with more child care costs and, and, and we're going to add stress to their lives. And guess what? When we've added the stress to your life, when we've taken more money out your pocket, when we've made sure that we forced you back in a situation where you have to maybe spend money for lunch or coffee or whatever, and we've given the businesses and the business owners who are already rich more money, or at least not all of them. Don't get me wrong. Got people are struggling out there, but. When, we, when, we, when we've done everything that we can do to get you right back to where you were, then somehow there's a victory. Whose victory is that? I even heard the, you know, politicians talking about finding ways to penalize companies that have decided to go totally remote and, and let their work, their staff work permanently from remote locations. I thought that we elected officials who were, first and foremost, everything that they did um, and they do has to do with improving, maintaining and improving the quality of our lives. We, we the taxpayers, we who elected them. And then, you know, we look at what's going on here and they're all catering to the business communities out there who are screaming. And, I, and again, I get it. You got a lot of restaurants, you got a lot of people who are struggling and suffering and the government, to me, should be spending, politicians should be spending their efforts and time figuring out ways to make these people's vis- businesses viable again. Like I, I made one suggestion. It might be a dumb one. I don't know. But when people start, you know, working remote, if you had more people working remotely, if you, if you kind of did a study of the map, you'd probably see where 
the volume of people, you know, has been spread out, but it's gone to other areas where you could maybe help these homeowners uh, service those areas so they get the similar customers, but in a different location. That's just one of, you know, you know, maybe you take some of this empty real estate space and you turn it into places where people can come safely and, you know, within their own circles and, and, uh, and participate in new innovative ideas and ways and research and all these things so that they still bring money into these, into these buildings. These landlords still get money. There still is a need for their properties, but now in a new way. I see, not, you know, if, 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 if we wake up three or four months from now and, and COVID is gone and we look around and we see every single thing the way it was before COVID, then we have learned nothing. Viruses that cause pandemics, you know, the warning shots are, are often ignored, first of all. And by the time we figure it out, just like we did here, it's already everywhere. In the United States of America, everybody travels from everywhere into the United States and through the United States. So there's, not, there's no uh, credible thought, no credible argument that when the next pandemic comes through, that we'll be protect, protected. And by the way, uh, up to today, um, there was an announcement by the White House about vaccines coming for children. And, you know, ages 5 to 11. And, and I'm going to touch on that real quick, too. And I know, I'm, you know, this is getting longer. But um, they also, someone I heard talking in, in, in that conference also talked about a new virus, a new strain, a new variant of the Delta virus. That's in some other country and so far it's been okay. But, you know, and these are things I'm talking about. You know, it's, it's like... You, you, you build a machine to do something and then some scenario happens that you didn't expect and it broke your machine. So you decide to rebuild the machine. So when you rebuild it, part of your plan, your logical plan, will be to rebuild it in a way that whatever broke it before cannot break it again. What we are doing is rebuilding right back to where we were before this pandemic and putting ourselves in a place where the exact scenario can break us again. And if it's worse than COVID, then it just means more loss of life. And people who have fantastic health insurance, uh, health care and health insurance, you know, politicians at the top of the chain, you know, where doctors who are the best in the world would fly halfway around the world to take care of them. That's not what most of the population experiences. We are hiring these people. We are electing these people. We are paying taxes to pay their salaries. And it's amazing that once we do that, we have no say. They tell us what they think is best for us. And it's not based on us. It's based on the people who contribute to the campaigns and people who provide money to their, to, to their, to their causes. But we're all human beings. We all have to have a conscience. We all need to recognize that as, as brilliant as God made us, we need to use our brains to come up with new ways to evolve. You know, I, I, I also often ask my listeners to share my, my podcast and I kind of Keep an eye on on, on the you know, how it's distributed, and I, I'm thankful. First of all, I'm, it's all over the world, but for for me, it's not enough, and I'm not sharing for monetary reasons. Everything on, on two four seven real pot, talk podcast is paid for out of my pocket. What I'm sharing for is because we need to get more people thinking, more people involved. More people who can say, you know what, next election, I'm not doing this anymore. More people who will stand together, united in one cause, and that is preservation of life, whether you're Republican or Democrat, Independent, Libertarian, I don't care what you are. We cannot continue to go through life like this. It, it, it stops being living and it becomes existing, just struggling you know, it, with everything that's forced upon us to make a way. Look at the amount of people who have quit their jobs. And again, I had an episode where 
I kind of asked the question, how did they afford to do that? I mean, I didn't think there were that many people out there who were working just because they wanted to and didn't have to, but I guess I'm wrong. I have to. But my point is that, that people are quitting because of, of preservation of life. Many people in jobs have retired, some of them early. I mean, in many cases, especially if you work for some levels of government, there's no retirement age. As long as you're able to buy, you just keep going. But many people have retired because they recognize that the risk, especially as they get older, is too much. Who in this, who, who right here, right now can guarantee that for the next hundred years, we're not going to see a, a, not the pandemic? And if there is another pandemic in 100 years, I'm telling you it's not going to be that, but let's say it's 100 years, then what lessons did we leave to the people who are going to suffer through the next pandemic? And I come back to that number of 700,000 deaths in New York, and I'll be honest with you, the more I think about that, I agree with those folks who say it has to be much higher than that. And that's because there are numbers that were skewed, and then there were people who were not counted. Someone made an example today, I think, in New York when they were speaking to our new governor that um, what about the people who had COVID and then went home? So they were taken off the count as having COVID and then, you know, died. So they went home because, and apparently there's, I'm, I'm learning that there's a certain, you know, people from nursing homes, whatever, there are people who went home, so they, you know, and they died. There are people who they thought they were getting better, and so they, they released them, and then they died. So they're not counted in the facility, and uh, were they counted in the home, or were they just counted as a death? So if we, if we look at all the scenarios where we missed things and where things were hidden, the number's probably a lot higher. We need to get our politicians to listen. This is not about laziness. This is not about being at home. I talked to so many people. Up today, I spoke to someone who says, you know, I spent 18 months working in my house. I gave them the best of me. And now I'm back to the office. I get up extra early to take a horrible transportation system, to be in a vulnerable place. I feel like to, to, to you know, I mean, a lot of the things that they, we did in the beginning to, for sanitary, you know, conditions they're not doing anymore. And I've seen a few, and I'll, I'll mention a couple, but as I said, the person was telling me to get into my office, to be isolated still in the office, because even if there are people around me, we don't, we don't talk to each other really go because we don't want to, we're all in fear. And then, you know, to, 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 to be isolated all day, to do the same things, you know, I could have done at home because I'm sitting at my computer with a camera and a headset, and all my meetings are virtual because nobody wants this risk. And for those of us who suffered through COVID, it is very, very, very hard to tell us to go back to normal, to being stuffed into conference rooms where there's not enough chairs for meetings and, and, and presentations and be right on top of each other and see people cough or sneeze and put their hand, but, you know, and partially cover their mouths. Who, nobody wants to do that. So you, you're, you're costing me money for transportation. You're taking time I could have from rest away from me. You're making it more difficult because you're taking your time from my family. You're adding expense for some people who now have to find health, you know, uh, child care again in, a, in an environment where some child care places didn't come back. So the ones that are out there charging even more money. And then you're taking away more time for me because I commute to come back home. All of this so that I can sit in an office. I can be completely isolated. Do the same thing I did at home, just in the building. And the hope is that people will go out and start buying from the stores and all that again. And, and I think that's happening to a certain extent. But I think also to a certain extent it's not. I've spoken to many people who say, I bring my lunch now. I will not be going back out there. And I think that, you know, over time that may fade a little bit. But I think it will take a long time, especially for those who suffered through COVID, especially for those who were on ventilators and they made it. 
it is it is cruel almost to put these people back into that environment. Is anybody thinking what this is doing to those people? Those people who are in fear of going back into this environment, you know, it's like someone who who you know who lives in the house and then there's a murder in the house and then you want them to go back and live in the same house and every time they walk up to the front door you see the fear and the trembling and they can't do it and and you know what kind of psychological effect is this having on those people and now we get to the point to where we have children involved i mean somehow however this plant this covid was for the most part, it's spared children, but now that number is going up. And I find that very strange. I just got, I mean, I understand part of it has to do with children being back in school. But, you know, it's just, I'm not, I'm not clear on my thoughts on that yet, so I won't share them. But anyway, the numbers of children in the hospitalization of children with COVID is going up. And so now we have a, 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 a part of the dosage of the and I, that's how I understand it to be part of the dosage of the um, vaccines, you know, will be used to vaccinate children. They tested, you know, certain strength of it and whatever test they get again rapidly, they're now telling you to give this to your child. I have two children who had um, RSV virus when they were young. Spent many, many hours. Uh, one stint was like 36 hours in the emergency room with them. And so the parent in me, the COVID survivor parent in me, wants to take the needle myself and give them the vaccine because I want them to be safe. The part of me that's taking everything else into consideration says, am I making the biggest mistake of my life? Is five, you know, five years from now will my child be sick? And when they trace it back, it will be because they're, with all the things they went through, they have um, uh, what they call protein allergies, um, a few other things. So is, is, you know, are we going to find out that this medication just didn't work with, with, with some, some, what we would now call underlying symptom, right? Underlying illness. And why is it that we can't find ways to, re to evolve so that we can create social environments but still safe environments? I don't know how many of you have been to like Stop and Shop and Home Depot and I've, you know, I've, I've, I've been to a few of these, these um, stores and I've, I've seen the signs up that says, you know, uh, these carts, you know, they have the shopping carts. These carts have been wiped clean um, um, to ensure that they are safe for blah, 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 blah. Well, I want you guys to go to one of these stores and do some shopping or do some window shopping, something, and watch how people come in and take the carts, shop, take them back, take them out into the parking lot, empty their goods. The guys who work at the store come and pick up the carts and take the same carts and put them right back where they were. There's no wiping down. All that's done. Let me tell you. I remember going to Costco and seeing the, the, all the handles of the cars were wet and there was a guy with like a spray thing. All that's done. Everybody has laxed. Everybody has become relaxed. And we, we, are, we are so arrogant and egotistical that, we, that the fact that we... We are this way, so, you know, makes us so vulnerable because of our stupidity. So when the next variant comes of this virus or some other virus, you know, we're all going to go into the store. We're going to grab the shopping cart and from the guy who had it before, who had the virus, who just sneezed in his hand and put it in the shopping cart, and here we go. All the measures that we took when we were losing 1,000 people a day I'm not saying all of them, but we should have learned from all of them, and some of them should have been, in some form, made permanent. Why? Because it's sensible. It's good. It's, it, it, we live in a time where things, maybe things like germ warfare, is the new way the wars are fought, but for, you know, for whatever reason. You know, maybe you know, after seeing this model of 700,000 people in the United States, 700,000 plus people, 
Okay. Um, in many, in many ways, that's probably more people in the modern day than we might lose in the war. So there's an easy way to do this. And again, United States is, is, is the prime land for super spreading. So, you know, it, it is, it is a matter of, um, of perspective here. I spoke to one gentleman who told me, I told him I had the vaccination, I had COVID. He said, well, you should not have to, you know, have to get the vaccination because once you had COVID, you know, you should have the antibodies in you already. And he's actually right because I had some blood work done and it showed exactly that. But I still got the, the vaccination. I wonder how many of you are going to give your kids this vaccination. I mean, I think that with all my kids have gone through the parent in me wants to believe this vaccination is good and safe and have them have it. I think the parent in me could not live with having them not take it and something happened to them, you know, COVID-wise. I'm not sure how the parent in me feels the same way if I have them have it and then they develop something later on from this vaccination. It's a hard choice. And part of the solution, I believe, is you know, to, for wherever it makes sense or however it works, and I don't have all the studies in front of me, you know, or, and that's another thing. I'm just going to finish this thought and then I'm going to go back to that one. I don't have, you know, all this information to really make a truly um, individual choice. We are depending on whatever is fed to us, and we know for a fact that what governments know, we don't know. We know for a fact that there's so much spin put on the information that we get that people sit in the room and say, okay, this is it, and how do we get the best story out there? This is proven time and time again. We know right here in New York, we had a situation with our, government, our governor who stepped down, the new governor, and the new governor saying, hey, the old governor hid these numbers from you. This is playing out right before our eyes. And this is not the first time. This has is, this is historically been playing out in front of our eyes. So we're taking a gamble. And for those of us with faith, we're praying that when we pray for an answer and we make a decision, that this one, it's a faithful one that keeps us safe. I'm also concerned about children spreading, you know, COVID to other children because children cannot practice the same, you know, if, if, a, if you can't get adults to practice proper hygiene, it's even harder for kids who are innocent, especially younger kids. So I want my kids to be protected from COVID and I want them to be protected, not only not to get it, but not to spread it to others. So from that perspective, you want to give them the vaccine. I'd like to hear from you guys. What do you think? What is your position on it? I see recently a lot of companies uh, impose vaccine mandates on all their all their staff, and then they have reversed reversed the mandate because prior to the mandate said if you didn't get it by a certain date you lose your job. And when I first heard, I'll talk about the airline industry for instance. When I first heard that certain airlines reversed their mandate. The, 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 the thoughtful part of me, the, not thoughtful, but the part of me that would be instant, instant to react felt that this was a humane decision. But then I thought about it deep and I said, you know, is this what it really seems on the surface? And a lot of the companies in, 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 that are reversing the mandatory mandates, you know, if, if you don't take the vaccination, you lose your job, are companies with staff with specialized skills. I be, I'm beginning to believe that the reason that they're relaxing their mandates is because they cannot find the skill set that they need to replace the existing for those who leave in order to them to continue to make profits. If we needed cane cutters, and there were 10 million cane cutters out there, and they hope we could replace them within a second, would the decision be the same? I want to bet and say no, especially again for industries with people 
who either you know are specialized skills or skills that require training before they can be become an employee. I would want to say that, like the airline industry, I think it'd be one. You, you know, if your pilots start leaving, um, you could, you know, if another airline, for instance, has no mandates, and your pilots start leaving for that airline, or or your or your your flight attendants, or your ground crew, or whatever, you can't just hire a guy off the street to replace that job. So, depending on the on how adamant the people are in response to your mandate, you have to relax your mandate in order for you to continue to run your business and to make money. In situations where that's not the case, then, you know, then that's difficult. And there's something that happened recently that I, I don't want to be specific to anyone or anything because I want to be respectful of all. But let's say in some cities, some governments are, have established mandates for public servants, for you know, government, city employees, government, state, government, federal, whatever. And then for those people who have defied the request, let's call it request, the request to be vaccinated, and now are under the, the mandate rule and given a deadline, some cities have chosen to reward those people if they come in and, and, and get the vaccination now. So... You know, they're saying, well, if you come in now and you get the vaccination, come into one of our facilities, get the vaccination, we'll give you several hundred dollars in your paycheck. Think about this carefully. For someone who defied the request to get vaccinated, who up to this point has refused to get vaccinated, you haven't just said to them, well, get vaccinated or else, but you said, hey, come to us, come to our office, and get vaccinated, you do have the deadline, but we'll give you several hundred dollars in your check as an incentive or as a thank you or whatever. So wait a minute. What happens to all the, what happened to all the employees who complied to support these city governments and voluntarily got the, the vaccine already? There's no incentive for them, huh? There's incentive for people who defied you but there's none for the people who simply said, look, I'm going to take the right chance. I'm going to have this vaccine for whatever reason, and I'm going to go into the office, and I'm going to be part of what they're calling the solution. And that's okay. You went. And then the guy who says, I'm not going, and he said, well, you're going to go or else. And he said, you know what? On top of that, you know, I'm going to give you, you know, $700 for going. Really? It just seems like we're rewarding the wrong person there. I'm just, you know. I'm just saying, that's just my opinion. And I, I you know, I, I think that if we really, th I'm going to keep that piece, I'm going to keep my current thoughts for another episode because it kind of leans back into the whole student loan thing. And I don't want to, to, to add that in, in, you know, to this episode because I wanted this to be the focus of, again, vaccinations and the mandates and the fact that people who have the best health care are dying from complications of it. And, and it seems like there are more unknowns about this, even at this point, more unknowns about the virus still, more unknowns about the vaccine, at least to the general public. And we're all fuddling our way through this and we're all so bent on going back to the way it was because somehow, somewhere in our little minds, we feel that the way we were was the best our lives could ever be. So why evolve? Why get better? Why give people more time with their families? Why you know, give people more, a few more hours to sleep? Why give people the safety and comfort in their own homes? Why give people the choice to come into the office or not or come in on X amount of days or, or work? you know, have a choice of working both so that they can have some time with their family. So if their children get sick and need COVID tests, they can decide to work from home that day and run the kid to the doctor and not have to take off an entire day and be not productive for an entire day or the, you know, or because if you have to go into the office and your kid has to go to the doctor and you have to stay home, then you're taking the entire day. Whereas if I'm working an eight hour day and I can take my kid to the doctor for two hours, I can still give you six. But no, take it away. And then you know what? 
Times are harder. Right? People are struggling financially. Let's let's make them struggle some more. Let's make them pay these exorbitant, ridiculous transportation costs that that we keep raising because the transportation industries keep saying we need more money. We need you know, we need to raise tolls. We need to raise this. So just put the pressure on the taxpayers more, and ignore the fact that the salaries of taxpayers have not been going up to match these expenses. And let's put them back in the office, force them to be vaccinated, get them back within inches of each other, and then let's just sit and wait for the next pandemic and see how many more of us it kills. And you know what? While we're sitting and waiting, while they're spending, they're, 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 they're tired again because they, they're up more hours, 5 o'clock in the morning to get ready to go to work, while they're struggling with child care, while they're struggling financially, while they're paying more money out for transportation, while they're doing all, they're, they're going to an office where they have psychological fears, while these people are, 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 are in, a, in, a, in a position of discomfort and fear, is that the rock bottom? Nah. Let's bring back student loans now just to crush them to death. And after we do that, after we break our promises as politicians, as leaders of this country who we elected to do better for its people, after we sit there and we say we can't find solutions, whoever survives our brutality in three years, I'm coming back to you for your vote. say a very special thank you as always for letting me into your homes and into your time to share my perspectives. This episode was based on the requests of my listeners and so I thank you for your feedback and for the opportunity to share this perspective with you. Reminding you that you can send me your thoughts and more topics for discussion and, and uh, productive discussion by emailing me at podcast at 247realtalk.net that's podcast at 247realtalk.net. Remember that you can listen to this episode and every episode of 247 Real Talk on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, whatever you decide, take care of yourselves and each other. <laughs>